0: Welcome to Kentucky Horsepower, the official podcast of the Kentucky Automobile Dealers Association. Good day, everyone, and happy holidays. This is Jason Wilson of the Kentucky Auto Dealer Association, and you are joining us here at Kentucky Horsepower Podcast. And I'm very pleased today to have a couple guests with us here as we talk about uh, the end of the year, and first, I have Brad Garen with Dealer Performance Group, and I also have Dave Decretico with Easy Care. And gentlemen, thank you both for joining us. Appreciate you all being here and uh, spending some time here before we get the year out. Yeah,
1: thank yeah. you very much for having us. Merry Christmas, Happy New
2: Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody.
0: For sure, for sure. So, as we get to the end of the year, I know you all talk to dealers throughout the course of the year, and. Um, given your areas of expertise and emphasis and, and the things that you work with, uh, our dealers on, um, 2021 has been confusing to say the least as it relates to tax policy and where we're going to end up this year and what that's going to look like potentially moving forward. So let's talk about that as we followed, uh, throughout this season with a new administration, all these sort of things that have been going on, where do you all see this going into 2022? What sort of far-reaching impacts do you project potentially, and how could that infect uh, dealers' uh, reinsurance
2: programs? Yeah, Jason, thanks for the question. The, um, you know One of the aspects of reinsurance that uh, that makes it such a powerful tool is that the, the profitability to the shareholders, the underwriting profits, the investment income that gets distributed to the shareholders is typically taxed at advantaged rates, whether it be a preferential dividend or a long-term capital gains rate. And under the present tax regime, you know, those rates are 20% um, versus top tier ordinary income tax rate at 37%. So you can see that there's a pretty substantial benefit in in the taxation of of the reinsurance profit. When we started the year with obviously a... uh, an expectation that the Biden administration was going to seek uh, increases in tax rates on the uh, on the wealthy in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fair expectation that we would see long-term capital gains and dividend rates climb, as well as even potentially the top ordinary income tax rates. And uh, in keeping with what the expectation was, President Biden in, in April actually proposed increasing long-term capital gains rates and dividends rates to the top ordinary income tax rate, uh, which uh, under the Biden plan would have risen to thirty nine point six percent. The kind of the catch there is, there's also an additional tax called the net investment income tax of three point eight percent that applies to all investment income. So potentially, we would we would be looking at like a 438 percent um, or forty three point four uh, percent tax rate on Dividends and cap gains, and which would have made those rates higher than ordinary income tax rates. Um, So through the summer, we were all kind of, you know, waited with bated breath to see what was going to happen. And um, as the infrastructure bill kind of came up and and the social spending bill or the build back better, I guess, as, as it's technically called. Uh, we we all expected that there were going to be some changes or proposals in there that were specific to long-term capital gains and dividends rates and even ordinary income tax rates. Um, The first shoe to drop was the infrastructure bill. And in in the infrastructure bill, there was really little to no substantive change in ordinary or capital gains uh, or or dividends treatments for individuals or, or individuals in general. So uh, we kind of dodged a bullet with respect to tax rate increases in the infrastructure bill. Uh, I think, as most people know at this point, the uh, the Build Back Better, which uh, act, which is uh, has passed the House, uh, has stalled in Congress, uh, largely um, as a result of Senator Manchin's, um, you know, um, n- lack of support for the for the bill. And um, obviously, nothing is going to be done in 2021. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, 2022 doesn't look any brighter for the passing of that. Uh, the interesting thing is that in that bill, there's still no increase specifically in long-term capital gains and or dividends rates. So it appears that for the large majority of taxpayers or reinsurance shareholders, um, you know, there will not be an additional um, tax burden on distributions from your reinsurance positions. Now, the only thing I'll caveat there is that the Build Back Better Act does have some surcharge tax rates on very high wealth individuals, like $10 million plus income. And those surcharge rates would apply to investment income and and long-term capital gains and dividends. But for the large majority of shareholders in reinsurance positions, uh, we don't expect to see an increase in in the rates uh, as a result of, of this act. So well, and long story short, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of in the same place as we started the year and without any expectation of change, certainly before the midterms.
0: Well, given what you mentioned early on with when following this through what was potentially projected, uh, which later is almost twice uh, where we are right now, safe to say that uh, the way this has shaken out is uh, to uh, those in this audience watching or listening, uh, everyone's best interest that it stayed sort of where it is and will continue to be that way as it stands right now, um, which sort of leads to the next part of this discussion as as there are things that dealers can control in their stores. And then there are things that we're talking about right now that are beyond their, their control. Uh, but nonetheless, you try and plan as best you can Factoring in all those things, so when you're talking about um, for those that are that are putting the 2022 plan together, whether forecasting, projections, whatnot, um, what do you say as it relates to uh, planning on a forecasting a
2: reinsurance program?
0: How do all these things correlate, work together? Because they're all connected some
2: way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting, right? The the budgeting, the planning process, whatever you want to call it, in in a dealership or any business, basically takes into account all of the the revenues and the expenses of each department within within the business, right? And um, you know what we've seen very often is that reinsurance or you know the reinsurance owned but owned by the dealer or the dealership, uh, oftentimes doesn't factor into that planning process. Um, so as an example you know, uh, everybody's planning process will account for how many cars they're going to sell. Right. And if there's an increase in the number of new cars or used cars, you've got some plan for, you know, how you're going to achieve that. Right. Whether that means you're going to increase your advertising spend or you're going to bring on, um, you know, increased digital marketing or whatever it may be, um, you're going to factor in some process that's going to help you sell more cars. Well, if you sell more cars, obviously you have to have a plan for F&I. What's your plan for F&I? Do you expect to increase your penetration rates on service contracts or your PVRs? The idea here essentially is what's happening in your reinsurance as you sell more cars, as you sell more F&I, how strategically are you making the reinsurance as part of the plan, right? Do you know what impact your, your growth or, um, you know, your your increase in business is going to result in your reinsurance profitability, and when uh, are you going to see the results of that? Uh, So that's, you know, that's where we find that partnering with our dealers to understand what their plans are and help increase the projections, particularly from reinsurance, um, is a good idea. Um, I like to say that, you know, realistically, we should be treating reinsurance as another profit center uh, produced by the dealership.
1: And what's interesting, Jason, is, you know, been having these conversations with our dealers, we we don't find that many of them even think about that. Um, They talk about, you know, selling more new cars, selling more used cars, doing better in finance, but it never gets down to looking at specific things that you can do from a process standpoint, from a training standpoint, from a pay plan standpoint, from some of those types of things, from a staffing standpoint, that actually will make an impact on your insurance and help grow it. So it's an interesting conversation and, and one that we love to have, especially, you know, as the year comes to an end.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As And I remember from, again, working retail, uh, when I was doing, we'd, we'd have those conversations, right? Well, we, we want to grow by whatever percentage. And, you know, that means this number of new cars, this number of used cars. We want to be at this dollar amount in F&I. But I don't recall sitting in and having those meetings as it relates to, reinsurance which is a a profit center to your point and a rather good one uh if it's managed right and done properly for dealers so it does make a lot of sense and having those conversations and uh you know it makes
2: sense that you guys would be doing that yeah, i mean i think you can take it at a very simple level and say you know as you as you develop an f&i plan for the year for instance and you know if you're at a uh You know, if you just look at it from a a service contract penetration rate, if you're at a 40% penetration rate and your goal is to get it to a 45 or a 50% penetration rate, Mm -hmm. incrementally, what does that achieve not only for your F&I department, but what incrementally, what does it achieve for your reinsurance position? Um, When you're looking at the growth in the F&I, you're developing Mm -hmm. a plan for how you're going to get there. And your plan may include, okay, we're going to train F&I on term so that we're not overselling term, right? If we, if we really truly match terms of contract sold to the driving habits of the customers as opposed to the long term, right. do we increase our penetration by making it a more affordable product? Do we sell more F&I product because we free up payment by reducing term? All of those things and how they impact your reinsurance position. How does it impact the earnout when we shorten the term of a contract? those are important things to factor. And, you know, interestingly, most companies will do pro forma projections for dealers when they start the relationship or when they're attempting to win the business. I always think that an annual pro forma is a good thing to do is, okay, here's what our plan is. Let me see what what the incremental growth in our F&I business is going to do or create in our reinsurance and what how does that schedule out in terms of when that money will be available for distribution? Should I decide to, that I want to tap into it?
1: Yeah, and also, you know, Jason, we—it's—it's it's a good time to talk about products being sold in the finance right. office. You know, are there additional things that maybe you've shied away from in the past as a dealer uh, that that may make sense now? Um, are there things that you should maybe not reinsure right now based on the the climate? But, but all of those things are, are things that a dealer should think about as the year ends and as, as they start to forecast for next year with specific uh, focus on the FI department. you know, Dave, you may want to touch on some things about you know um, uh, investment return, right? So there's multiple different structures of reinsurance, obviously. and but there are ways to maximize investment return, uh, taking surplus distributions and, and putting them in a surplus account to get a higher rate of return. Just different things like that that, you know, sure. Dave, I don't know if you want to expand
2: on some of that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like anything right now, uh, uh, there there's a level of uncertainty about inflation rates and, and what the investment markets are going, how the investment markets are going to react. I saw something uh, in yesterday's Wall Street Journal that's, you know, ex, we're expecting three interest rate movements next year. The Fed's going to raise interest rates. Well, how does that uh, impact the investment strategy that we have in our reinsurance. Is there a better right. way to deploy the cash? Getting active in the discussion so that you can take advantage of what the market's going to give you. Right. Um, I just think the uh, the discussion overall ought to be you know one that that occurs regularly and 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 is reevaluated. I, I wanna I wanna position this as, you know there's a there's this phrase that I've heard that you know since I've been in the car business that that uh, the set it and forget it right reinsurance shouldn't be a situation of set it and forget it. The goals of the individuals, the goals of the businesses change regularly. Um, As they change, we need to make sure that the the structure that that the dealer chooses to use as a reinsurance vehicle matches or is able to accommodate the change in the goals and the objectives. So having a realistic conversation with, with the company that's managing your reinsurance position is is an important aspect to the growth of it and the success of that company. Um, you know, one of the other things I think that is in particularly uh, important right now is we've seen quite a few dealers uh, looking at taking increases in the in the labor rates in their service departments, right? As as it becomes more difficult to find uh, service technicians, um, as it even becomes harder to source parts. Um, you know, the cost of, cost of repairs is increasing. Uh, So we have seen where dealers have increased uh, the cost of their hourly labor rates. And I want you to think about how that impacts reinsurance. It doesn't necessarily impact the business that you write going forward, but if you take a $10 increase in your labor rate, it impacts all of the business you've already sold. All of the claims on the business that have already been sold are now going to be performing at a higher loss ratio because of the increase in the labor rate. Now, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't take an increase in the labor rate. Mm -hmm. What I'm suggesting is that you ought to have a conversation and say, okay, we're gonna take this increase. What impact will it have? How do we adjust going forward to ensure that we perform at the level that's adequate or, or what we deem to be successful so that we're profitable on a going forward basis? So having the conversations as a as a, a regular part of your business review is is important so that you are you know managing the success that you want to achieve.
0: Yeah, it really comes down to, uh, like everything, engagement, right, to be engaged in these sort of things, to have these conversations. This is a very different item than, say, a 401k plan where you just have money sitting in a certain type of fund that's you know, uh, and you just sort of leave it there, that set it and forget it mindset versus um this business as we just talked about what's going on over the last year and where things could be and where things could go and there's still those we'll always have those conversations so safe to say with the number of dealers you all work with throughout the country um i guess what i'm hearing from you all those that are very engaged and having these conversations and planning uh not surprisingly their reinsurance programs are performing probably at a much higher rate than those that have that set it and, uh, forget it mindset.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's absolutely correct. So I think the other piece of
0: this and Brad, you touched on it earlier is the training aspect of this. I mean, um, <clears throat> to say you want to increase your F and I goes beyond products. I mean, people is what really drive this. Uh, and I know you spend a lot of time on training and talking about training.
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a great point. Um, obviously multiple different ways to, to do training throughout the year whether it be offsite, whether it be in store, whether it, you know, have them speakers come in and do stuff, there's all different kinds of ways to train. But I think, you know, from a year end planning perspective and looking at 2022, I think that needs to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned a minute ago, looking at products, you know, what products are we going to sell? Um, making sure if we do add something to the, to the menu that our people know how to sell it, that it's put into their pay plans, they're getting paid to produce it, that it's, either good or bad for reinsurance and making those decisions. But but training at the end of the day is where kind of the rubber meets the road and where it's going to happen, right? If, if you want to have yep. a successful reinsurance department, you have to sell the stuff. And in order to sell it, you have to be properly trained. You know, that also goes into, you know, the last time we had a podcast, we talked a lot about the CFPB and the new stuff with compliance. So training is a big, big thing, obviously, for making sure that we're compliant and we're doing everything as we're supposed to. So we're not, you know, drawing attention to ourselves that may, we right, might find right. ourselves in court one day.
0: Right. And that climate is not going to change anytime uh, in the near future. As far as that, that CFPB, again, we'll probably have future conversations on that because that is going to continue to evolve. And and I foresee that and talking to others like yourselves in the, being much more aggressive in our space.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just because so I forgot to mention it, you know, one of the strategies, you know, a dealer probably should look at making sure that their partner that they're with can provide is online training as well, you know, having access to 24 seven material for your staff. Um, so make sure that's part of your plan as well. Put together
0: a calendar, um,
1: just making sure that we're we're doing everything we can.
0: Good, good. Well, gentlemen, I feel this has been a really good uh, conversation. Before we sign off, is there anything else either of you would, would like to add or, or circle back on? Actually, I think I'm good, Jason. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think you know. Just listen from from everybody we at Easy Care and Dealer Performance Group. We've had uh, a, a long relationship with the Kentucky Auto Dealers Association. Um, our heart is certainly with uh, all the people affected by the uh, the tornadoes, and uh, we are keeping you in our thoughts and prayers.
0: Well, thank you for that. And uh, speaking for KDA, I can tell uh, you all and those listening or, or watching. That dealer Performance Group is a vital partner of this association has been engaged uh, for many years now and uh, does a lot of business in the state. So I would I would say uh, very strongly if you are considering or looking at uh, F&I provider options, I uh, could not give a stronger endorsement uh, than Dealer Performance Group. So we really appreciate all that you do in the state, all that you do for our dealers. You're a big part of our association. and. Uh, thank you for taking a little time before the years out here and uh, talking about these uh, important items. I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks, thanks Jason.
1: Uh, happy, happy new, new year. Everyone.
0: everyone. Happy new year, everyone. All right. Take care. And we'll see you next time on Kentucky horsepower.